again and welcome to another episode of Voices from SA. My name is Nicholas Claude. I'm here in the studio in Killarney on a beautiful Joburg summer's day. Thanks for joining me. My guest this week is Malusi Shabalala. He is the head of the advertising agency Studio 214, but has recently found some fame in South Africa, at least, for his recently published book, Malusi's Everyday Zulu. The book is a result of a Facebook page under the same name, and um, I urge you to go and check that out. You'll teach yourself something. Malusi and I chatted about his youth and childhood, growing up with his mum in Soweto, going into advertising and the subtle and not-so-subtle racism of the workplace and his eventual frustration was general frustration with the advertising industry in South Africa that he feels continues to deal in lazy stereotyping. We also spoke about the massive racially based uh, income gap that still exists in South Africa and also some of his efforts to confront patriarchy and become a better person as he says in terms of relationships with um, women. So, uh, quite a broad-ranging discussion. Uh, please now enjoy my chat with Malusi. Malusi, thanks very much for your time. Uh, it's uh, great to meet you. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you too. Um, but um, let's just... Uh, Go back to the to to the beginning, if we may, and if I could just start with a little look into your childhood, and if you could just tell me uh, where you grew up. Okay, I was born forty. No, actually, in a month it's going to be forty-one years ago, in Soweto, um, a little township called Skodpola. It's a predominantly Zulu area. You know how so it is broken up, that we mm. all put into our little language and, and tribal or cultural groups. So, um, Is that how it does work even today? Well, I mean, it hasn't been uh, reconfigured, but mm. people move around. It's, it's a bit more freely. But the, the original structures are still there. So, so mm. places are still predominantly... This or that group. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But there's a, there's a great mix now. Yeah. Just because people move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and people intermarry a lot. Mm. You know, you find a person with a Sutu surname with a Zulu name and all of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so all that stuff become more of a really melting pot. Yeah, that way. stuff doesn't matter as much nice, now. Yeah. Mm, you know? mm, mm. Um, I Sorry, mean, what was it called? The area? Scott Paula. Scott Paula. Jeez, I've never yeah. heard of yeah. that. No, no, it's, it's very tiny. Okay, it's part of uh, Mufulo North, but okay. it's a smaller area. Scott Paula means. The place of chilling out, you know, is it good? So polar, yeah. That's that's what it is. A place right. of just chilling out. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. There's nothing chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I lived there for 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 quite a until I think I was about eleven, eleven. But in between, I did live in Natal as well okay. because that's where my father's from. He's from Mnambiti, Ladysmith. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I lived there a little bit, but I don't really have a relationship with him because he, he and my mom didn't stay together very long. Okay. Um, and then we moved to Malvern here in Joburg still. And then soon after that, I finished school and I moved out of home and I lived in Sunning Hill. Um, so yeah, I've been living this side. But in Joe, you're forwards. a Joe bugger. Yeah. No, no, I'm very much a, a Joe bugger. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Is your mum Zulu as well? 
my mom is Zulu in so much as her mother was was from M M Singer originally. She's Zulu, Singer. but Oof, her father deep. Yeah, that's deep, deep, deep. Her father is from Mozambique, right? Wow. But she also never really had a, a relationship with him, so she just took on the the Zulu heritage right. from her mother's side. Yeah. So okay. she's part Zulu, part Tsonga, part Portuguese, part this, part that. So you've got a bit of that in you yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very strange. For instance, my younger brother he's got hazel eyes and his and his daughter is bright like i don't even know how to describe her complexion and she's got these greenish eyes yeah so fascinating so yeah yeah but i again i have no relationship with that so my my what i took again was just the the zulu portion of it Mm. yeah so you grew up with your mum and you didn't really then have her and you don't really have a relationship with your father at all no not at all like Literally not at all. I think uh, hmm. in the, according to my mom, the last time he and I saw each other, I was three, and then we tried about four years ago, and it just didn't work. And I was just like, you met him, whatever. yeah, yeah, and well, just like whatever, hmm. yeah. I mean, is that a, is that a difficult thing for Look, you? I mean, or I, do you, I, how do you sort of assess that? Because I mean. You know, you're not the first person now that I've interviewed that has had that experience of of some sort of dislocation of the family, either if the parents are working a long way away and they grow up with their granny or their auntie or something. This is maybe something different where the father is almost just, like, not interested in you or... Look, and, and what is that sort of... I mean, obviously, you know, you, you deal with a lot of emotions. Um, but because it had been so long... I really have no relationship, so you just thought, let me see how it goes, and yeah, it doesn't, you, you weren't and, really and if, too invested. No, I wasn't too invested. But the funny thing is, I remember when we, because I'd gone with my mother to visit in in Mnambit, uh, in a little township called Egvugeni. That's that's where his family is from. And as we were driving, we we're driving out, driving my car. And it this turns is, this is quite recently. No, no, yeah, it's very recent. I think it's about four, or five years ago. Okay, even three, perhaps. I turned to my mom and said, thank God it didn't work out. Because if it did, I'd be stuck here. Because <laughs> I was just like, there's no way I can imagine myself living, living there. In that part you know what I mean? I was like, oh, oh you, sa- you saved me. Because <laughs> there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing to do. I mean, yeah. I, I really tip my hat to the people who make it out of those areas and come here or mm. make it even there. Yeah, you know, exactly. that is that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in my book, I I, I mention those sort of struggles that yeah. that young black people all around this country go through. To break and, out yeah. make it. Obviously. And millions do. And millions yeah. and millions it's do. amazing stories. You yeah. know, so, I mean, there was, I don't know if the piece is in the book. There's a piece that I wrote, you know, saying our varsity fees our school fees were paid for with domestic worker money you know with cleaner money mm. weed dealer money you know shabin money church money you know so don't disrespect anyone when you see them doing their job mm. because they're changing the world in ways you cannot even begin to imagine yeah totally um i think that's one of the fascinating things that has come out of um uh, many of the interviews that i've done is of people coming from desperate situations yeah. Um, to just through the support mainly of mothers and aunts and grannies, I have to say the men don't come out of a lot of those stories very well. Yeah, um, systemic though. You know, you know what yeah. happened to the men. Yeah. 
Well, of course. I mean, there was th that whole uh, separation, of course, yeah, and, exactly. and the consequences of that whole uh, labor system, I suppose. That's right, um, it is. That, yeah. that, that, in, that, that encouraged that or forced that in, in a way. But, yeah, just um, the, the, the fortitude of the, of the parent and the commitment of the individual to, 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 to do something or make something of themselves against all odds or in situations that, are, that I can't even imagine, you know? And yeah. I consider myself sort of fairly aware you know, yeah. I've, I've been into townships and I've I've been into rural areas. I worked when I worked for the National Peace Accord in ninety three, ninety four, in the middle of the war in KwaZulu Natal. You know, I went into a lot of those areas and I I saw I saw those things that I don't think a lot of white people, even to this day, want to accept, perhaps or or consider. So, um, yeah, I think it's and and you again are, are an example of that that kind of journey which I find very positive and very important, I hope, for, our, for the future of our country in, in, in a situation that is quite, I feel quite delicate right now, you know, in terms of where we're going as a, as a nation in the wake of, of the last uh, couple of years. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about your sort of, um, do you have uh, siblings? Yeah, I have a younger brother. Okay. He's what, 32, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, your, the memories of your youth then in, in Soweto, um, were, were you um, politicized? Were you, were you, do you remember any of those, that war that, that took place? Look, I mean, you know, we were kids. You know, in, in the 80s, I was, I was, I was even a teenager then. But the, the images of the violence are very vivid, you know. So um, in the late 80s and, and early 90s when Mandela was released and there was all, yeah, it, it, it was terrible. Um, but, you know, as a kid, you know, as kids, you have fun, man. Wherever you are, you make the most, you know, the childhood spirit doesn't get dampened. You know, sure, you know, we lived in fear because anything could happen at any time. Mm -hmm. I mean, even as a kid, you already knew the the type of guns that we're firing, you would know the different sounds that, the yeah, that, that's an AK-47 and that's this, that's that, you know. Everything. Yeah, but, and there's some people who were traumatized by that stuff, you know, who, who, who fell in, into a, a deep depression, you know, and, and never came out of it because you, you'd be on your way to school and you'd be jumping over a corpse, you know. Um, but we, we're not all built the same, so we all took those experiences differently. Mm -hmm. But in, also in terms of politics, I mean, the, the politics of the time were really, there was the apartheid government, there was the IFP and the ANC, and everybody else was peripheral, you know. And when the apartheid government fell, even though as a kid you didn't fully understand, you knew this was good, mm -hmm. you know. So, but by the time anyway, 94 came, I mean, we were already a teenager in high school, and you had a better understanding. But even before, as a kid, you knew that this system had to go. Yeah. You, know, you know, you could feel, why are we second-class citizens? You know, why are we scum on this planet? You know what I mean? And, and then the dynamic between the ANC and the IFP was actually way more confusing. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, but these are the same people. You know, why are we chopping each other up? 
and and then as a as a Zulu speaking kid as well, that that had another sure. dynamic, yeah. you know. Where did that put you in danger? Because I was from a pro- predominantly Zulu area, I think we had a better understanding because we had Zulu speaking people who were IFP and Zulu speaking people who were ANC. So I think if I think people from non-Zulu speaking areas probably were more were more against the IFP because to them it was a foreign concept, these Zulu invaders, whereas to us, they were our cousins, our uncles, and mm-hmm. we kind of understood what they were speaking of, you know, but even though you didn't really Supported, agree, yeah. but you understood, you know, but if you're saying somewhere else and you've never heard the other side where, why these people think this way and believe these things, to you, they're, com- they're completely the enemy. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was just asking because uh, I, I read somewhere your one of the first sort of little agencies, I think, because you had now or one of the founders of a, an advertising agency called Studio 214. Studio 214, yeah. But one of your early forays was, was called 76 Mother Russia, <laughs> which sounds pretty <laughs> <Awesome>. hardcore. <laughs> so, so... When I left... That sounds like you wanted to fight the revolution again. No, that, that's, that's what it was about, man. Um, so when when I, was that? What year was that then? Um, so I left mainstream advertising in 2009 and then uh, set up a company called 76. Yes. All right, so, no, no, sorry. The first, 75. No, no. The first company was June 15. So oh, June 15. Yes, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. like, it was the day before. You're right. right the planning. <laughs> Quite cool. So we were like, it was the day before. And then we split. When we split with, the, with those guys, we then became 76. Okay, we're like, okay, fine. We're going to take the whole year since we can't use Gen 15. And then um, another friend of mine had separately started his own company, and he had gone and called it Mother Russia. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> we grew up with that stuff. You mm. know, that's, mm. that's sure. what sure. was in, in our heads, yeah. and, and that's what drove us. Yeah. You know what I mean? For us, for instance, I'm um, calling it June 15 and 76. We were still what, what is considered young people. We were in our early 30s, and yeah. we were honoring that spirit yeah. of young people who didn't sit back and accept yeah. their circumstances, right? Yeah. And we were saying we're doing the same thing. And those guys were coming from the... The Mother Russia or guys, communist, sort of communist and propaganda yeah. type of thing. And then yeah. when we came together, we became 76 Mother Russia. And I think we just used to scare white people. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. But now the reason I was just raising that, because you, you sort of say you weren't very politicized, but obviously you, you sort of unconsciously or subconsciously politicized, aren't you? Just in that environment of growing up, you know all that stuff is going on. I, I think, you know, I said not politicized, because it was life to us. It wasn't politics. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? It, yeah. it, was, it was just, just it was just day, day to day. day. It was yeah. just day to day. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so for me, when I look at politics, you know, it's you have your life and then you have politics. Mm. But then it was life. It was survival. Mm. That's mm. just what we did. Yeah. I mean, there was a day, and I think I write. I, there's a piece in the book about it where I was driving to school with my kids, and I said, "Let's sing," and my daughter started singing her nursery rhymes, whatever they are. And then I started singing. And then a few songs in, I'm like, no, man. These are prison and struggle songs. You know, I don't know a single necessary rhyme. <laughs> oh, that's quite sweet. Well, good to keep that legacy going on as well, I suppose. Yeah, look, I mean, we still sing those songs. Yeah. You know, they just, they, they, it's so amazing how outside of just the politics and, and the violence of the time, those songs have just become part of who we are. You know, they represent... Folklore. Yeah, culture. Yeah, and, and, and 
you know, where when you sing them, you, you, you come alive, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That we, and it reminds you that this freedom was fought for, mm -hmm. you know, but it also reminds you that we are far from where we need to be. Mm -hmm. You know, we are far from where we need to be. And yeah, it's a constant reminder. Mm. I can remember, um, as I was mentioning, I worked for the Peace Accord, and I used to go, obviously, to a lot of rallies, um, both ANC and IFP events. I've seen those Amabuto move down the streets, slapping their spears, you know, that puts the fear of God into yes, you. Yes, yes. I've seen the Qabani singing their songs as they buried a friend, you know what I mean? And all those, they, they still now, they'll give me a bit of goosebumps. And I, you know, you understand the energy yeah, that comes yeah. out, of, out of those things. But when you say we're a long way from where we should be, I mean, what, what do you, where, where should we be? And I, why I, aren't we there? So, so for me, you know, I can't... The, the fact that the society has such a massive wealth gap is a problem, okay? And the fact that that wealth gap is basically mostly along racial lines is a massive problem. Because from what I've seen is that apartheid gave people, white people, a sense of superiority, right? And the wealth gap continues to support that. You know, the fact that our mothers still wash white people's panties mm -hmm. and our fathers still do white people's gardens, mm -hmm. we are still... Second. The structure still exists. It still exists, and it reinforces white supremacy. And that is just the reality. It reinforces white supremacy. You know, as long as people who were seen as less than still work for the people who saw them as less than, they'll continue to see them as less than. It is just that simple. So how does that get broken down now? One of the things that I've been um, um, sort of bringing up in, in some of the conversations I have is, is, is one of the issues is that we are still very sort of geographically segregated, right? Yeah. We still, the majority of the population still live out there and, and the white people still live in the fancy houses. But this is where I want to bring in your, your, your Zulu project now. Language is also a barrier to, to, to this kind of separation, is it, is it not? Or, or this integration that you're talking about, or this breaking down of barriers. And I'm just wondering if what you are saying or have said to me now was one of the inspirations for your Word A Day project or to try and somehow get people speaking another language or thinking about another culture or thinking about people and tradition in another way, particularly white people, if I can put it that way. You know, I would, I, I, it didn't start out like that, this project. It, it, started, it started out from a, a place of dissatisfaction with the way advertising treats our languages, because I've worked in advertising for 20 years. So um, I wanted to showcase the beauty and the amazing energy that lies within my language and the culture. The complexity yeah. and richness. But not only that, because I, I don't really delve deep into okay. the language. I, I delve deeper into the culture around that language, the people, how we go through our lives, how we experience life as as I describe myself as a 21st century Zulu man, you know. So when you're reading my pieces or my book, you experience how and others like me experience life as 21st century African men and women. Because if you look at my book even, the, the words might be Isizulu, 
But many, many non-Zulu-speaking Black South Africans relate to those stories because they, mm. they are stories of too. human stories. Yes, exactly. So I, I intentionally didn't make the book extremely Zulu, mm. even the project extremely Zulu. It is just the Black experience in 21st century South Africa. Mm. Right. But in terms of reaching out or the language connecting with white people or trying to bring people together, that happened naturally on its own, hmm. right? So I was just doing this project and most of my friends on my Facebook are black. And we were just, it was literally fun with this is Zulu. It wasn't teaching anyone because most of the people on my page hmm. know that no, stuff. Words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not like you're and then educating all of a sudden, them. It's no, like a I, fun I, thing. Yeah, about we this were just one, having remember? fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We were just, it, it was a, we were having a laugh. And then next thing I've got like thousands and thousands of white followers and then it took a different turn. And, and I'll tell you how it took a different turn for me. It's, it was also in how I write now because I have to be a bit more descriptive. You know, before I'd be a bit glib because every, I knew that everyone knows what I'm talking about, you know, because mm -hmm. everyone is from no, a similar so background yeah. as me. But also how I, I couch some, some, some of the more political stuff, you know. So my thing was, okay, these people have shown me that they have an interest in my language, in me, in my friends, and the world that we live in. So I need to soften perhaps some of the language, some of the more militant stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I realized these people want to get in. Let me not shut them out. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because before, my language was very just, this is rubbish, you know. South Africa needs to change and white people are full of crap. Mm -hmm. And then these people showed me like, no, it's not all of us. You know, some of us really do want to get in. And so for me, this this was also like a Damascus moment, you know. Interesting, like, oh, yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Was it you, so you were surprised? Yes, I've, I was very surprised. Because outside of maybe the, the people that my mom worked for, my experiences with white people had not been pleasant. Yeah. You know, in advertising. It, it, so that's why I even quit and said I'm going to start my own company. Because I was like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with these people. You know, where every day... Is an There's obstacle some sort course. Of funny little racist yeah. undertone to everything. Yeah, every, every interaction. Every interaction, you know. Shit. So when you when you leave your house, you know, you'd say kind of at war. Yeah. Almost. No. Like let's say if you live with somebody, a housemate or a lover, or you say to them, Good luck, it's your job. <laughs> I hope you don't kill anyone today. And you know, they'd say the same to you because it's a hostile environment. Even though it kind of comes across as trying to be quite hip and cool. Yeah, but then a lot of the stuff ends up being patronizing. You know, so, mm. And so now I've got this project. Now I've got these white people who are saying, okay, we're here. Yeah, you know, we're, and we're interested. Yeah. Let us in. I was a bit apprehensive at the beginning. And I was like, okay, if this turns sour, I'm just going to unfriend everyone. And I can say a year in, because it's been a year now, out of the 8,000 followers that I have now, I probably have only had to block about 9, 10, 15 max. Mm. We, we have some pretty that tough conversations, but people are coming in from a place of respect, mm. even when they don't understand. Mm. You know, I've also seen people's opinions being changed. changed. Huh. Yeah, I've seen people's... You know, 
that's why when people say, oh, you know, when you're arguing on the internet, you're wasting your time. I can, I have got case studies where I have seen people go, oh, oh, that. oh I had no idea because we do not interact with each other. That's it. And that is it. We go to the office, we do what we need to do, we patronize each other a little bit, and then we go off into our separate worlds. Mm. And then we, we make, we have preconceptions about what the other does, who the other is. Yeah. Right? So on the page, I've seen people go, wow. Have their own moments. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. I've had people, on, particularly white people, you know, inbox me and say, oh my God, thank you for this opportunity. You know, I, I, I have always suspected that something was wrong you know, with how I'm living, how the world I'm in is, but I've never had an opportunity to speak to anybody from the other side. And now I'm speaking to people and I realize that something is terribly wrong, you know. Mm. And others, yeah, it, so it, it's been amazing. Mm. But also my own black friends who had been hardened by corporate essay, you know, who are going, oh, okay. Maybe the assholes are the ones I work with. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> just got a bad, bad yeah. lot there. Yes, <laughs> through the wrong crowd. <laughs> it is, I mean, it, it, it's completely crazy. There was a day where I was. Also, what's interesting is the dynamic on my page, which I, I don't know how it came about, but I think I have an idea. So most of the people on my page uh, who are active, uh, middle-aged white women. And then you have younger black people, right? So it's not middle-aged white people and middle-aged black people. No, it's mm. middle-aged white people. And, and youth. And youth. Or younger, yeah, young young, professionals. Younger. Let me not say youth, because I'm, I'm not long. 30, 30, early 40s, yeah. 20s, yeah. yeah. And I think I know why. The, the middle-aged white people, I think, you know, have woken up to the reality that this is not working. You know, as you mm. grow older, you mm. realize. And some mm. of them probably were active in the ANC or, you know, remember 1994, the, the Mandela vibes, and, and people are still yearning for that. And then the younger black people, I just think it's my tone of voice, right? It's, it's their world. I speak about what they go through every day. But what becomes interesting is then when they interact with each other, because these are two sets of human beings who generally have nothing Never, to do with each other. No. You know, so you would see like a... You can't imagine a context in which they would ever meet. Yes. Unless it was perhaps the workplace. It, it, no. So those day I said, I'm, I'm shutting down the page playfully. But they didn't know that I was, I, was, I, was, I was playing. And this a couple of black kids said, no, 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 don't do that. This is the only time I get to speak to white people who are not my bosses. Mm, you know, yeah, and I was yeah. like, wow. You know, you know when you're doing something, you don't realize its impact until someone points it out to you. I see, yeah. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah. I mean, the only time I speak to white people is when they're giving me instructions at the office. You know, I must do this. I must do that. <laughs> and here we are, that. and I'm speaking, and it's like, now I'm seeing them as people, you know, versus these authority figures that I hate. Mm. You know, so yeah. It's, it's, for me, that's, I, I, I enjoy the page. You know, the book, you buy the book and you piss off and you go read it in private. But the page, the page is a much more living, sort yes, of uh, yeah. interactive, kind of a live yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, you've, I've seen people on all sides denouncing their political alliances, you know, just going, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've seen people softening, whereas when someone first came in, they were like, staunch. DA. How can you say that? And then they realize that the other guys are not staunch EFFs. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. and then you realize I'm, I'm, 
I'm defending nothing here. And vice versa. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We have seen people like, oh, da, oh, da, ANC, da, 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 da. and then go, ah, fuck it, you know. We're here, let's have fun. Yeah. And these politicians are messing us around. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. And unfortunately, just recently, I've taken a step away from social media. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not really interacting too much. I've taken all my social media yes. away for the moment. Um, but I, I definitely will um, now get back to your... And it's just Malusi Shabalala yeah. uh, so on I've Facebook. Got, I've got two which pages. Is this, which is the page that there's, people there's, should go There's to. my profile, which is Melusi Shabalala, mm. right? But that's full now. Can't accept any more friends. And then there's the page where I post the Zulu word expression every day. That's everyday Zulu. Mm. But the interactions are actually on the other one. Uh, yeah, where okay. people speak. Because yeah. the other one is where I, I post... Yeah. That's the one to work. monitor. Yeah. The Malusi Shabalala is the yeah, one to... Yeah, to that, that's where the actual interactions... The, actions, the action yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, where, where people just speak their minds. and. Yeah. But I, I really... And what, what, I've, what I, I've also enjoyed is how the most unexpected people would come to the defense of somebody else. <laughs> you know, where you go, where you go, what? <laughs> so what do you think that says? I mean, what does that say to you about where we are as a country? It just Because you say we're not where we should be, but does it just give you hope that we are kind of, perhaps uh, without the support or intervention of, of politics, we might be able to find a way somehow? Well, the, there are two issues at play here, right? There's the getting along which is fine, which I think what the site has shown me, or rather the platform has shown me, is that we can just see each other as people, you know, and, and make it work. But there's economic stuff. Mm. Getting along is not going to change the fact that black yeah. people are still poor. Yeah. So for me, and, and when we do have hectic fights on the site, it's usually around that where people say, oh, you're being divisive when I start speaking truth, mm. saying we need to dismantle the system. So people you know? still do have difficulty, I suppose, particularly the white middle-aged yes, crowd, yes. they still have difficulty in confronting that yes, reality. Yes, so they, 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 they want to laugh with you, but yeah. when you start saying to them, ah, give me your you house. Ah, and then they're like, oh, well, not give me your house. No, <laughs> we don't want to take anyone's house. But, and, and, and so that's the other thing that, uh, that I try and, and do a lot, to say to people, getting along is not going to help us. Mm. Our children and our children's children are going to keep having these same conversation unless things change fundamentally. Mm. Getting along will not change those things fundamentally. So I'd rather you upset at me now. We fix things so that three generations from now... It's kind of more balanced. Yes. But if we're going to laugh with each other now and then you piss off to your mansion, I go to my shack. Not good. Mm. Not good. Yeah. So this whole let's get along, you it's know, kind of papering over a, yeah. a, a problem in a way. Yes, not in a way. It really it is. is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's, and it serves those who are better off. Mm. It really does. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't get along. You know, I think when we get along, we're more likely to find solutions together. Yeah, it's better you know, to get along. But it can't be. But it can't end there. It cannot end there. We need to be realistic about the things that need to happen in South Africa. Mm. You know. So, for, for example, what, when you say that, what do you think does need to happen? Because, I mean, you've, you, I you've said, like, the workplace is a stressful place, but it's not only a stressful place. It's still a place of white power, you would say, yes. generally. So, my belief is entrepreneurship, 
manufacturing and ideas. What do I mean by this? We need, we need corporate South Africa to support small black businesses, right? Not to have us work for them and become CEOs and take golden watches when we turn 60 because that changes nothing, right? We need pick and pay to support entrepreneurs in the townships, to grow their businesses in the townships. Or farmers to supply them. Yes, but we need to grow our own businesses. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, we need, and, and, and it's not about, you know, when we speak of black-owned, people get scared because it's as if you're saying we want to take everything. Black-owned just means it helps grow our dignity and give us our dignity back as a people. But then it services everyone. Mm. Do you know what it's I mean? To the benefit it's, it's, it's to the all. benefit of everyone. Also, what it does is there are so many amazing minds and energies that are excluded from the economy. I mean, when you drive into a township midday like today and you see how full it is, it's heartbreaking. It's like, why are people at home? Look at all this human potential going to waste. You know? So for me, it's we need to support entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs create employment, but also they bring new ideas, ideas that are relevant to Innovation. 21st century South Africa. All the companies that exist now were created in the 20th or 19th century. It's old ideas. You know, it's, it's, it's solutions for long ago. You know, we need to support the kids and the innovators right now. And even this talk from the government of the mining industry still being something relevant. Who cares about I mean, that? I, just, I can't get my head around that. I now. mean, we were talking about a friend of mine was saying, he doesn't want land. What the hell is he going to do with land? You know, mm. so he doesn't want land. He wants ideas. Op he wants opportunities. To, somebody to fund his ideas, you know. Mm. We're, we're, and, and it's not about money. No. Do you know what I mean? It's opportunity. It's opportunity. So when I say fund ideas, I'm speaking about stuff that has gotten off the ground needs to grow, mm. but it's stuck because yeah. there's no support. Yeah. But for me, I really do not look to government for that. I look to corporate South Africa. Interesting. Because in the long run, it will benefit them anyway. Should if they, if they support my business and own 20%, when my business grows, they grow. Mm. They enter a new market. You, you know. yeah. Government, I, I, I expect government to legislate. To, but the to policy force, platform to create the environment. Yes, I, I, I honestly can't see myself going to the IEDC asking for money. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not built that way, and I don't think that's what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. We should be getting money from Pick and Pay. We should be getting money from Unilever. That's where, that's who's... Because also, when they're investing in our businesses, they're also coming with knowledge and experience and, and, and mentorship. Mm -hmm. So that's what we need. We want their brains, we want their experience. Mm -hmm. But to grow South Africa for everyone... For everyone. I was, um, it's interesting, I was, in, I was in Orlando, I was interviewing my mate Konza, he's a sneaker, he's got a little sneaker cleaning business. Oh, all right. And two things, the one thing I was also, it was a Wednesday morning or something like that, and I was shocked, because I'd normally been out to Orlando for Jaws on a okay. Saturday afternoon, yeah. okay, there's a lot of people, but I was there on a midweek, like 10 o'clock in the morning, and like you say, they were just, I couldn't believe how That's many crazy. people were on That's the streets, crazy. it was fucking, I was like, Felt like a public holiday or something, but then I realized no, they're just like people with nothing to do. Yes. Or nowhere to go. So why wouldn't you and then jump at the opportunity to take part in a heist? If you're just sitting there and you have no prospects and you can see the whole world leaving you behind. Why would you not jump at it? Why why are you not depressed on drugs and ready for anything? 
And then, yeah, indeed. And then the other thing that he said was, because I also asked him about, you know, funding from government or whatever, wada, wada, wada. And he said, you know, he doesn't really even need money. He would just like maybe a little office space with a phone. Yeah. You know, just so he can kind of have a little time to organize and get things moving. You know what I mean? So, again, not about money, more sort of a different Resources kind of support. Resources and support. Yeah, yeah, support. I mean, coming back to money, I was explaining to a younger friend of mine who, who's starting a business, and he was saying he wants funding of $2 million. And I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get $2 million with no support, with no clients. At least now you're just broke. You're not two million in debt. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And 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 those are the the educations that also people need to people need to be taught these things. Mm. You know, Just basic sort of business principles and. So if you're working with corporates who know these things, they can help you grow and understand. Mm. So, if I could, if I were to legislate anything, if I were to be in government today, it would be that. Corporate South Africa has to Commit support small amount business. of money to yeah amount of money, time, and resources mm. to entrepreneurs. Yeah, because I mean I do have a lot of the CSR kind of stuff that's built into them, but they seem to be very sort of ad hoc, tick box, one off kind of things, yes. don't they? There's yeah. no sort of long term view, and even I found because I've, I've I did some time in, in sort of corporate environments here, you know, have these internships where you know, these graduates are brought into these companies, given employment for two years, but there's no real... And then it's like, cheers. Yeah, no, you know, you're no, just no, there. You no do, you do nothing. long-term planning. So also, if, you, uh, if they're you're the not seen, They're not seen as a resource. No. See, and, and that was... That was they're the more sort of, okay, we've got to employ five interns and the government's going to pay half their salary anyway, so fuck it, let's do it. Instead of saying, here's a brain. Let's and make let's, the most of this uh, person and help you them know, maybe grow. Maybe don't take all of them, but I mean... Pick three of the six. I mean, Christ's sake, you can't say there's not something there. It, 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 it's I, crazy. I found it mind-boggling, I have to say. But also, the other thing that, that I, I learned on this Facebook platform that opened my eyes and actually helped me have that Damascus moment where I got, when I, is that I realized that white people live, come from a place of fear, right? And, and that dictates a lot of how white people go through life in South Africa and the decisions they make, right? So going back to this particular topic now about not taking the interns and not taking them seriously, it's from a place of fear. But people f are scared that they're going to get replaced mm. in the workplace. Mm. They're scared that they're going to get replaced in business. It is that fear that is paralyzing progress. Instead of seeing it as just making a bigger pool for everyone to create and generate a bigger That's, that is space it. for everyone. Yeah. yeah. You've worked in advertising. Um, for 20 years, as you say, and you kind of got frustrated working in the sort of traditional kind of corporate advertising space. Do you think that advertising is partly to blame for kind of maintaining this myth of a rainbow nation where it's all like cool and groovy and 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 um, everything's hunky-dory in the land? Mm, I don't know. I, I think advertising, I do believe that advertising plays a huge role. I mean, there are billions of rands in media spent, so whatever images that we generate as the advertising industry really do just repeat and are implanted in people's minds. Where I think advertising continues to be detrimental 
to how we view each other is, is how, when you look at adverts, the white people are always doing sophisticated, interesting, meaningful things. And the black people are always dancing. You know, we dance <laughs> smiling, for airtime. Smiling and dancing. Yeah, we're dancing for airtime. We're dancing for, for banking. You know, it's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know, and now, now as someone who works internally, I mean, who's worked in the industry for 20 years, I know where that comes from. It's laziness. It's, it's people who refuse to understand the market, right? Or don't know anything about the country they live in. Yes, but they, they, so they don't want to go out there and experience. So what's easy? Music and dance. If the advertising industry had more, advertising and marketing rather, had more black senior people in it, you would see the quality of advertising that would come out. There'd be none of this dancing and singing because there's no dignity in that. You know, you, you're making us look like idiots who are just happy, clappy, dancing, happy idiots. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> it, it is a point that does not only frustrate me, but if you speak to most black people who work in advertising, that is their biggest frustration. Mm. To say, why are we making these dancing things? I know it sounds like a small thing, but it's a big thing. Yeah, no, no, it's like, no. why are we dancing when white adverts have these complex concepts, you know? Concepts about complex issues, about space, about space travel. And here we've got a mama dancing because the rice... Um, nice rice, cooked yeah. ni rice cooked nicely. Or what it expands three times and she's dancing. You know, you're like, what is this? I haven't seen my mom dancing for, the, for rice... <laughs> Yeah, a, a lack of um, s understanding and a lack of sophistication. Um, I want to talk a little bit about gender now. We sort of before we started talking, I don't know. We yeah. suddenly we, we sort of jumped into that quite quickly when we when we met. Yes. Um, just um, about sort of gender roles and in the context now of um, sort of Me Too movement and not in my name things like that, there seems to be a sort of awakening within the country that there's something wrong in our society when it comes to um, well, violence against women, the treatment of women in the workplace, sexism at all levels. And I'm just wondering, and it's as, as, as we were saying as well, it's not sort of confined to any racial group or tribal group or or fucking whatever you know it's, yeah. it's, it's a societal problem it's a societal problem yeah um at, at at all class levels um what is your sort of perception of where we are now when it comes to kind of breaking down uh traditional roles and trying to I don't know, awaken some new f way of thinking, particularly from men in this country, because it's the men who are the problem here, right? Yes, definitely, it's the men. I think for me, even before we get to the illegal stuff, like violence against women and sexual harassment, it starts with just how we interact with women day to day, you know, how we view their role in society, because that ultimately leads to the bigger problems, you know. And, and why I take it there is that the average guy will distance himself and say, I've never raped anybody, you know. And that's the problem with that conversation, where we make the conversation about the violence, whereas it's just about the day-to-day -day 
interactions because that's where it starts. And that's the more difficult stuff because a lot of how we act towards women, we grew up, and when I say we, I mean the average South African male, just accepting that's just how life that's is. That's my role and that's, that's her role. That's my role. I mean, I can tell you as a married man, there's still certain things that I struggle with, you know, where, where I come home and my wife isn't cooked, you know, and I'm going, uh, where's the food? And then I go, oh, right. Uh, she's also from work, you know, and I'm the one who's hungry. <laughs> so I need but, time to start cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even yesterday I got home and she, and she hadn't cooked, you know. But I have made it a, a choice, and I think we need to make a choice to say, yes, I am probably not as as much of a feminist as I as I should be. I know that I'm a broken man, so before I speak. I need to stop and think mm. and say, this thing. Because you can't stop those thoughts coming to your head immediately if that's how you've that's grown up. Been, yeah. But you need to stop and think and say, is this really what I should be saying? <laughs> because your brain tells you it is. You know? mm. So you need to go, is this really? And you know, the moment you stop, you realize it's not. You realize that it's not fair on, on, on the other person. And I think it goes back to fairness. And I always, when I speak to, to, to my black male friends, I always say to them, we are the white people of black people. Men, black men. We are the white people, you know. We are the horrible... That, that privilege. Yes. So the way mm. we make, the way white people make us feel, we must remember that's how we make black women feel. Sure. And that's when people go, oh, that sucks. <laughs> that's quite yeah. a heavy thing to say. Yeah. You. You know. I mean, and, and so you, are you having those conversations with your yeah, peers? We're, we're and, speaking. And, we're speaking. I mean, and what are they saying now? You know, guys, <laughs> some are like, oh, whatever, man. And and here's the the thing, is that privilege is is lovely, you know. So the idea that you must start doing things that you don't enjoy doing that have been fobbed off to somebody else, because because that's what it is, really. You see, it's going to somehow disempower you or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, or you just don't want to do it because it's unpleasant. You know, you like you don't want to wash dishes. So if some you can get somebody else to wash dishes, but then you go, she also doesn't want to wash dishes. The, everything that you do not want to do, she, she does want not to. want to do either. <laughs> so you need to think about that. But I'll tell you, going back to this thing of saying black men are the white people of the black community, it was something that was posted by this one young woman on, on social media, and it was just like a back slap across the face. I remember the, one of the funniest reactions was, you know, we were fine when you called us trash, but this... Taking <laughs> 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 it too far. <laughs> but for me, I use it a lot now. It's not, like I said, it's not my original thought, but mm, when I but speak to my stuck, friends, yeah. it hits them. Shit, yeah. It hits them to say, you are being a white person now. And they go, huh? Can you say that? Okay. You can see people get deeply hurt. To say, wow. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously white people get offended also <laughs> when they hear that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So uh, the, the issues I think around gender, I really think start in the home, in day to day interactions, how you as an individual treat the women in your life. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect. You know, I, 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 I carry a lot of that baggage mm. and, and I'm trying to deal with it 
every day. I'm fail. I fail miserably. You know, mm. I find myself doing and saying things. I mean, when I speak to my friends, some of the things we say because it's what we've always said. You know, mm. I've, I've until said someone I've done hurt, hurtful things as well. You've got to try and yeah learn from those. And yeah, you know, I mean, I was telling a, a female friend of mine, and she was saying, "Oh, seems the misogyny on Facebook has died down." And I said, "It went to WhatsApp. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's in the WhatsApp groups. That's where the guys say all the horrible things." Well, you know? Twitter, geez, some of that shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I've taken my Twitter away. I can't. Read I always feel as if the people on Twitter have nothing to lose. It's just yeah unemployed people because because if you have something going in your life you're not gonna go out and say things like that because you will get fired or you lose business or yeah i don't know some of it's pretty vicious eh? no it's terrible i i I mean i i don't have a i do have a twitter account but i don't i I do not Mm. do it Mm. and i also enjoy the way my facebook is kind of curated you know, everyone is, is, is becoming to be sort of like-minded. Mm. I don't want these weird elements. It kind of regulates itself in a way. Yes. It's found its balance. It's yes. found its its level in a, yes. in a sense. And, and, and those who, who, who don't like it just unfriend themselves very quickly. Mm. You know, but Twitter yeah. goes crazy. Um, do you need to go? Okay. No, it's fine. We can wrap it up. Okay. Um, I'm just... Uh, let's... Uh, yeah, we need to finish up here. Um, just give me a sense of where you think we are now. We've got, uh, as, a, as a nation, um, where we are so sort of at the one level seeking each other out and trying to find some sort of common, ide- common identity, but at the same time, you know, as you say, these sort of legacies that keep us so separated just in terms of where we live and how we talk to each other and the languages we use. But sort of at a political level now, with the with a, an, an election coming around the corner uh, next year, in a couple early early next year, we presume. Um, where do you where do you see South Africa right now, and and what do you sort of hope will will happen in the next couple of years at a sort of political level now? If I, I can I if I can ask you if you if you yeah, want to answer. Yeah. No, no, I'm 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 okay. I'm I'm comfortable answering that. I think Zuma was a blessing for us. Um, Complete screw-up, but we've all come to realize that we need to be active citizens. You know, I think we're taking this democracy thing for granted, Mm -hmm. and we thought a democracy runs itself. You know, it will just be all good. And Sort of like what the Americans are finding out now with Trump, in a way. Exactly, exactly. So we are becoming more vigilant, um, we are becoming active citizens. But I think also it's we all rallied around wanting to save South Africa in different ways. There were those who had their own agendas, but I think the average South African realized, shit, I need to get over myself. It's, more, it's, it's about more than me. It's about South Africa. So I think we are, we are especially with someone like Cyril, I think in terms of the mood and a more collaborative mood around outside of our different silos, I think we're in a much better space than we were before. You've got the radicals, and I think that's why the radicals are coming out now, because they're scared of the South Africa that we're starting to build, Mm -hmm. a South Africa where everyone is starting to work towards a common goal, and they don't want that. You know, that doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. You know, but from what I'm seeing is South Africans outside of the 
different political parties and political groups because we've also woken up to the realization that they're all self-serving. We're realizing that we need to work together as a people and I hope that energy grows and it spreads because they are what, I don't know how many politicians there are versus how many actual citizens there are. Mm. And if anyone is going to make a difference to this place, it's us. Because also, by realizing that we have the power, by becoming active citizens, we are now can dictate to them. Because before we thought we'd vote for them, and they do the right thing. But now we've realized, actually, we can remove them even before their terms are over. By standing up and going, this is rubbish. And not allowing them to divide us in terms of race or gender when there are issues that need to be dealt with specifically. I'm not saying we are a non-racial society, but I think we're slowly learning to put those things aside when necessary and deal with the issues at hand, and I hope that continues. Malusi, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. hope you enjoyed that um, you know it was an interesting sort of expose of I suppose how much work there still needs to be done in this country to build a more equitable society um, and the need to have especially across racial boundaries between black and white people in this country to have those serious and difficult discussions in order to find solutions that are going to build a better society for all um, as he says, racial harmony should not be built at the expense of uh, societal transformation, if I could paraphrase. Check out his book, Malusi's Everyday Zulu, um, but also go to the Facebook page. Well, he has the two Facebook pages. There's his own personal Facebook page under Malusi Shabalala, where he says a lot of discussion and debate takes place. And there's also Malusi's Everyday Zulu is a more lighthearted um, space. Please leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. Voices from SA is also available on Audio Boom, where the, that's the hosting site for the for the podcast. Um, Spotify, Radio Public, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your colleagues, tell your friends, tell the world. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Claude. Cheers.